0: is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part one with Victoria Weinberg, we talk about work ethic, finding help when we need it, the suffering Olympics, asking and being bold, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Victoria Weinberg. We're back, I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Victoria Weinberg. Victoria, thank you for joining me today.
1: Oh my gosh! This is so fun. I'm so happy to be here.
0: The, I, yes, I am. I'm very excited to talk about Sinking Ink, <laughs> producing so much more. And I, I just love how quickly the two of us have become friends in the producer world. I know. Before we talk, I about I know. Well, you, you have been so.
1: You know, you really do. You know, you really create an environment for people to to gather, and I think that's really fun. And and uh, not a lot, you know coming out of the the last two years and so many zoom conversations it's been wonderful to like finally see people in person and it's so nice to have like an opportunity to go see people so kudos to you for for letting for creating an environment where we can all like be and hang out oh, in you. a non-competitive environment it's really it's really lovely it's- if we will if we don't all work together at this point it's all just going to be nonsense so <laughs> i'm thrilled that we have places together and be nice to each other
0: and that's what i love that's what i love about the younger generations. It's a and especially after everything that's happened in our life so far, it's very much not, it's not a competition. Dogs are not eating dogs. It's okay. No, it really isn't.
1: <laughs> it isn't. And that's the thing, is like, especially for anyone who's chosen to like, and I absolutely admire and love and considered changing careers during the you know during the pandemic or or pivoting to something that was different skill set wise or that were similar skill set wise but was you know in a different field. And I think the people that have done that, it's amazing. Um and it's also a kudos to people who have shown that Thus, those of us who will work in theater have transferable skills in like an amazing way. Mm. But those for, for everyone that's still like kicking it around, it's already hard enough. Mm. Like we might as well just be nice to each other. Cause again, this is not, this is not easy. So we, it, you know, it's a wonder that, and I think I've said this to you before, it's a wonder that anyone goes anywhere and it's a wonder that any, a miracle that anything gets made. So we might as well be just, pretty like just be nice
0: yeah just enjoy (laughs) Be nice I love this I love this before we talk about all of that let's take it back to the beginning of time for you what were your entertainment dreams growing up
1: oh my gosh beginning of time um my entertainment dreams I mean I was like any you know any little girl my mom well i guess my mom was a my mom's a dancer and a choreographer um and she lived in new york city um and danced at bucks you know bucks county playhouse i forgot to mention um she i think she had cinderella and the music man and so growing up i was in dance class like pretty much immediately um you know i think there was multiple times in my life where my mom was my dance teacher which was both positive and negative from both sides and you could ask her i was definitely a pain in the ass um but i wanted to be you know i wanted to be a performer i wanted to be in musical theater and you know i took voice lessons and improv and dance and and um you know i i want to um my dreams were really to be on Broadway, like every, like a lot of us, I wanted to be on Broadway. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to move to New York, and I wanted to, you know, perform, and I wanted to be on Broadway. That's what I wanted.
0: What did your What did your parents teach you about work ethic?
1: That's such a good question. I think it's less about what they said and more about what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom always taught my, you know, my mom after I was born and then my brother was born, we would go, she taught at, um, uh, high school for the arts in, um, Palm beach gardens, Florida in West Palm. Mm. And we would go with her to, to, to watch, you know, we'd sit in class with her. Like my mom was teaching. And and then my dad, you know, my dad started a a long-term care insurance company from the ground up in South Florida in the nineties. And he had one of those lap desks in his like Lincoln Navigator or whatever like major giant SUV that was like a boat. Um, And he worked in his car. He drove all over South Florida selling insurance policies. And like we would have this thing at dinner time where we'd ask how many policies he sold. So like it was always about both my parents always worked. Um, And both, you know, my dad was 1000% a self-made man. And I think that was what my work ethic was based on that. Like my dad hustled. He was an incredible, he's, he's still alive. I don't know He was an incredible salesman. He still is an incredible salesman <laughs> and he's an incredible business owner, but you know my, both my parents own their own businesses. Both my parents have only now work for themselves. My mom owns her own Pilates studio in North Carolina. My dad owns, still owns his own business. And mm-hmm. while that has made you know, being a business owner and being a small business owner doesn't, isn't easy. You know, my dad will, no one tells my dad when to retire. He retires when he knows it's okay to retire. And I think it's that ability to pivot that I've learned from both of my parents. Like in 2008, when everything sort of came crashing down and, and, you know, my family did not, you know, my dad didn't come out of that. Okay. He pivoted he didn't give up and you know or neither did my mom and i think that that's what i a lot of what i've learned and especially over the last two years it's like it's okay to feel it's okay for think bad things happen, and it's okay for you to feel sorry it's okay to feel sorry for yourself it's okay to feel bad and to feel hopeless but like i think that watching his ability to pivot was really helpful over the last two years, especially, or during the many different iterations of my career, moving from a performer to a you know a baby producer to a you know a slightly you know bigger produced a slightly toddler producer, and then more is that like there's always that ability to like pivot, and I think that's what what they taught me
0: was there any do you have any memory of those dinner table conversations on how many policies he sold and what his mentality was or self talk or phrases he would say or anything that's such
1: a good question i've never you know i'm thinking back to those dinner table com- first of all the fact we had dinner table conversations i'm realizing was something really special yeah. and um you know it was, it was the four of us and i remember like You know, we would celebrate when he sold a lot, but it was this like it was also watching how my mom and my dad interacted. Like if my dad didn't have a good day, it was like it wasn't really like an oh better luck next time. It was still like really proud of you and it was fun game. But also it was, you know, it was a game of like supportiveness in the family. And it was like just it was I look back on those those dinners now and thinking like how lucky and what a privilege it was to have both my parents at home dinner with both of us and I think that the light about self talk because we would both my parents encourage us to like really talk about our days mm-hmm. and like talk about the things that you know we we did well and the things that we didn't do well and I think that that. Being like actively involved, whether whether I knew what the hell a policy was or not, because even to this day, I'm like, dad, what is that? Um, <laughs> but, you know, what did you actually do? What did you do for a living? I still don't understand. Um, yeah. Even now, like being involved in like the small childlike way that I was with like my dad's success or right. like hard days was, I think, like really formidable because it always made my parents seem very human. Mm. Um, like knowing that like my dad's office was like, leg- he had an office, but like his, my dad's office was like legitimately in his car yeah. and like seeing him come, you know, knowing that he'd driven like everywhere, but he still came home at like, you know, five 30 or whatever and had dinner with us like that. I realized now like what an absolute privilege that was.
0: Yeah. Did you have, did you, or do you have any mentors? And are there any standout lessons?
1: Yes, I have so many mentors. I think I have mentors of all ages. Um my, you know, my m- for the longest time, and I will still couldn't count her. Uh yes, my mentor is is was and has been for the longest time, uh Lauren Klash Schneider. She she was my mentor in the beginning of my career when I started working as her production assistant. Um and there are so many things she taught me, but one of the things she taught me, and I remember this very vividly because I was like, it was both mortifying and embarrassing. It's like, she's such also, I think I gravitate towards self-made people, like people that start their own businesses. Like Lauren, again, had her own production business and, mm. and worked, on, worked on, you know, she's worked on so many events and galas and award shows and all these things and, and taught me so many incredible production skills. But also she taught me how to, engage with people. Mm. I remember there's this very specific moment where she had me call a company for backline to get like guitars and, and, you know, drum, a drum kit and like all of these things. And I wanted to like prove I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing at all. I'd never called a company and asked for like backline and ordered it. And I like started the call. We worked in her, you know, she was right by me. She was like right next to me. And she started hearing the call and I started talking as if like, I knew what I was doing. And I was being like, trying to be like really fake it till you make it. And she made me hang up the phone in the middle of the call. And she goes, call back again and say, hi, I need to order this, this, this. I've never done this before. Can you help me? And I was like, but that makes it look like I don't know what I'm doing. She goes, you don't. Hmm. She's like, you will get more help if you let, if you engage with the someone and let them be the expert and it worked. And I, I have led with that for so much of my life in, in both in regular life and in producing and, and everything. It's like, it's okay to let someone else be the expert, hmm. like empower people to, to be the one that knows what they're doing. Like, uh, I, I i think I say i don't know what this is can you help me more often than i don't now
0: yeah and it's usually received quite well
1: it is it's really received quite well and I think as women it's much harder for us to admit we don't know what we're doing because we i think there's a there's like a, a like a, a defense mechanism that we like feel like we have to do everything we have to know everything sure. and we we have to have this like we have to do everything better and harder and faster and, and all of these things. And I think that there's something to be said about just like being okay with not knowing something. Cause then you learn it better as opposed to like pretending like you knew it already. And in fact, as people can usually see right through you, if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Like, I think I've given up on this idea that, like, I know what I'm doing all the time, because like most people, if they really know what they're doing and you really don't can tell you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) So it's like really okay to not know the answer. Um, And I think I've learned more and made more relationships with with vendors and with, you know, people in production Mm. by allowing them to be the geniuses that they are and not pretending like as the producer, I know any of that because like, it's not my, it's my job to know generally, but like, I'm not going to be, you know, running the soundboard. So there's someone that's way more qualified to do that. So like, Mm. I'm not asking them to do my job. So I shouldn't be trying to do theirs. I think is the lesson that I
0: got out of that. Really well said, really well said. And along that line, um, I'm curious, how have you gotten better at asking? asking for things asking for money asking questions how has that changed evolved grown
1: that's such a good question and i feel like i want to ask you that too um (laughs) that's such a good question i don't think i think i get i've gotten better at every day is a little lesson and like what if i'm good at asking um i think there's definitely still sometimes days of imposter syndrome of trying to like, you know, not ask for what I want. And, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of us, you know, play the, um, one of my best friends calls it the suffering Olympics where like, we're, to, we're afraid to ask for things that we want, or we're afraid to like, have a bad day or or, you know, ask for help or things like that, because there's something worse happening in the world. And we feel like we shouldn't, you know, ask for it or do this. And and she calls it the suffering Olympics because she's just like, you can't, it's, it's terrible. What else is, you know, happening in the world and you, you are not able to fix it. Mm. So you have to be able to control like, or be okay with like your world too. Like it's, and I think that that's such a good thing to remember. It's like, you know, I think sometimes we can go the, you know, the pandemic is still worse in this country or this, that, and the other thing. But it's like, we still have to move, continue to like acknowledge that and help where we can and like move forward mm-hmm. with our lives too. Um, so I think getting better with asking is definitely a struggle for sure. But I think that I've, I've, I've gotten better at oh, asking for money is a good one. <laughs> I think it's just about honesty. Yes. I think it's about honesty. I think that you can't, and I've learned that a lot from, I, you know, I work with Glass Half Full Productions and I've worked with Gareth for five years. And what I've learned from him is just about being like truly honest about the situation, mm-hmm. like, especially with Sinking Ink, saying, like, you know, the first money is always the hardest money. So you're asking on a proof of concept versus like an, a you know a, a low risk done deal, and so I think what I've learned over the process of raising money for Sinking Ink is that being honest about what it's being used for, being like you know what you're go- what you're investing in now is going to pay our actors is going to you know secure the venue is going to you know. Uh, pay legal fees, is going to make sure that our stage manager has petty cash, is going to make sure that this happens. Like, I think that having like a real tangible ask has made things easier because it also takes the onus off of you as a person. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're not asking for money. You were asking, the show is asking, the, the piece of work, the thing that we're all building together actually physically needs money to exist. Mm -hmm. So giving like tangible reasons for why that happens has made asking for money easier. It doesn't make it better. I don't think, I mean, like I still don't love it. Like, I don't think anyone like loves asking for money, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, the reality is that it can exist without it and having like a real reason like being like, this is where your money goes, feels feels better for me when I'm asking, especially when you're, you don't have a, a, a you know, a fully baked, you know, a show that's gonna, a year off. I think that sometimes it can feel really like ephemeral. Mm. And so like putting a tangible, putting tangible things on it makes it easier.
0: Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good point because I've noticed, you know, personally if we dive even deeper into this conversation on asking, um, not pushing at all. Yeah. You know, it's this is the opportunity if you see value in it, would love for you to be a part of it. Oh, okay, here's a reminder yeah. that it's still here, but you know, if you're not in, you know, but not <laughs> like but not like a, you know, trying to like shove it shove it shove it because I've heard some crazy tactics, <laughs> oh, sure. board, which I mean, is, I just don't think by nature, something, um, us younger individuals would do because we have a full realization of a emotional intelligence and, and what it means to be a good communicator. But I'm curious, yeah. I'm curious in your, in your, in your ventures of asking and not just money. I mean, we're talking like all aspects of asking, have there been any particular lessons learned as in a response you didn't expect? the way you read a room differently, the way you listen to words that one might use in your communication.
1: Yeah. I think it's more, I like listening to how other people ask. Hmm. I think I've learned a lot. Like you just said, by listening, Hmm. um, I think that in my early days of asking for anything, I wanted this, I had this incredible urgency to prove Mm -hmm. that I needed, that I belonged, that I deserved to be there, that I, that my projects meant something, that I was a real producer, whatever the hell that means. Like, and I think that I didn't listen enough. And it's actually our mutual dear friend, Joe Grandy, taught me more about asking than I think he might actually know because I got to listen to him talk about the prom in so many conversations and his utter zest for it, plus his his knowledge and his his the breadth of his imagination, but also his ability to actually action things. Like I saw him do exactly what he said he was going to do. And that was something that I carry with me a lot because it's one thing to have a big imagination. It's another thing to take those things and actually do them. Mm. And I got to watch him for over a year, take something and then do things with it. And it was really incredible to watch. So I would say that like being in rooms, watching other people talk about the thing that makes them tick makes you better. Um, And I think that I, And I also watched he was so bold, but also filled with such um, like strength of character, I think is the right way to describe it. Like he was bold and he would ask and he was never afraid to ask and never afraid to ask again. But his conviction was so like was so pure Mm that it it made me I've carried that into the way that I ask for anything, whether it's, you know, a partnership or, you know, uh, asking for this to cost less or this to do this or asking, you know, when I work on live events, asking talent, you know, the way that you deal with agents or managers is just the way you ask for anything. I think that I learned a lot from, from that experience, but also my, um, my, my grandfather always says, if you don't ask, you don't get, so I tend to lead with that quite a bit. Um, it also takes the pressure off. It's like, I've asked if I don't ask, you'd never, you'd never know. I wanted it. If I didn't ask, because people, I think we also expect people to read our minds and they can't because at the end of the day, everyone is sort of, and it's, and it's not harsh. I don't mean it to be harsh, but like, we're all really just, think, no one cares about me. Like they <laughs> care about me, but like everyone's thinking about themselves. In like the nicest way possible but like everyone is busy no one cares about me right like right. and no one cares about anybody i mean they do but like they're on their own path so it's like you have to get their attention and the only way to do that is to ask for stuff because they're not gonna like people are not imme- immediately gonna be like oh i bet victoria was wondering if i'd ask about this show but or wondering if i'm interested you have to just like ask them Cause otherwise like emails get lost. Like there's so many ways to ignore people now.
0: <laughs> and it's so easy. <laughs>
1: like this is more ways to like communicate with people. There are more ways to be ignored. So like, you just got to ask. And I think, you know, I hope Joe listens to this. Cause I hope he knows that like, you know, Joe Grandy was a reason I learned how to ask for anything. So
0: I've, I've heard on more than one occasion. He's the, the fairy godmother to many companies, enterprises and, and beings. <laughs>
1: It's so true. He really is. He is the. He is sort of this like gem of of asking and being and and um, I I appreciate him immensely. But yeah, that's why I said. And mentors can be people that are the same age as you. People the, mentors can be people that are younger than you.
0: So it's so true. Yeah. There's no age limit on that. And it's so much about the energy. It's not the words. All. I mean, yeah. the words are important. The facts, the figures are important. But most of it the je ne sais quoi (laughs) is we're gonna speak French now but yeah right yeah of course because I don't know what that is but uh but the energy it's the energy you bring to it that I notice really makes a change you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow entertainment x on instagram at underscore entertainment x underscore if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.